Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome today's guest, a strong and powerful Jeannie Fisher. Jeannie, are you ready to do this? Let's do this. Excellent. Let's do this. Jeannie <laughs> is a CFP, a CPFA, an MBA. She is a senior financial advisor and retirement plan advisor with Argy Financial. I'm excited to have you on. Jeannie, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have two children. I live in Kentucky. I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old. And I've been in the uh, retirement planning industry for a little over 10 years, focused in private wealth at first, and then about five years ago, really started focusing on 401k and employer-sponsored retirement plans uh, and have been having an absolute blast at it ever since. Nice. And it's I, I actually just saw, uh, to, to kind of sidetrack a little bit, that the, uh, the government shutdown had ended. And I know that, oh. that you had produced a video about that. And it was putting people in a really, 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 really difficult situation. Obviously, there's so many of us that, that, are, that are relying on our monthly paychecks. And then when you take that away, it really puts people in a, a compromised situation. So what I wanted to get into with you today was just how people can, can better position themselves to, to be financially successful. And I know that your work, like you just said, really focuses on 401k. So I guess... Um, Tell me a little bit about why it is that 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 you decided to focus on 401k while you're passionate about it. Yeah, I mean, I spent the first portion of my career working primarily with high net worth, high income individuals and families and thoroughly enjoyed that aspect and the relationships that we made. But when we started to do more and more 401k business, it became very evident to me that helping those plans become the best that they can be actually has a far greater uh, and farther reaching impact. And what I mean by that is the way our industry is set up today for individuals to get really good financial advice, um, most of the time they either have to pay a consulting fee or have you know investments or assets under management. But if we actually look at the composition of America and most savers, many of them have all of their wealth primarily in their 401k. Uh, and I worried a little bit that they had been maybe neglected by the advising industry or the CFP industry, not on purpose, uh, but just by the nature of what of how the industry had been set up. So I take um, I get a lot of satisfaction out of the fact that if we can help a simple or a single 401k be the best that that single 401k can be, we can affect thousands of lives. Uh, and that's really the driving force behind why we do what we do and why we enjoy it so much. I think that makes a lot of sense. So when you talk about making a 401k as good as it can be, are there certain areas that you really focus on? There are. There definitely are. We pay um, a lot of attention to plan design, of course, and influencing good participant behavior. But we spend a lot of time, I would say, modernizing 401ks. There are a lot of older plans out there that really are entirely too expensive, have a lot of hidden fees and don't have good investment options. So um, we're on a crusade, if you will, to find those plans and get them up to date. Yeah, I appreciate that. And it, <laughs> it'll be interesting 
Um, just I'm, I'm curious how long you think it'll take to to really kind of complete that process because there are a lot of retirement plans out there still that are very outdated that need to be modernized. So I think it'll probably be a couple of years until at least hopefully all of them um, are brought more up to speed. Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, so we're seeing the trend, we're seeing the change. There's some fantastic retirement plan advisors out there that, you know, we connect with through industry events. So I know there's a lot um, of us, quote unquote, soldiers on the ground kind of working for it. But it is shocking the number of plans you find that are just so outdated, even large plans. Um, where it's just been on the back burner of the company. So there's still, there's a lot of people working towards this goal, but there are, there's still a lot of work left to do. So if somebody's listening, they say, well, I, I hope that my retirement plan is not outdated. How, how would they know or what, what questions should they ask? Oh yeah. I mean, there's, to me, there's some really obvious red flags. I mean, we can look at a participant statement um, and very easily identify, um, you know, if this is an outdated plan or not. I think probably what would catch your eye the quickest, I mean, if you're an individual participant, is open up your statement or your account online um, and you're looking at the investments in the lineup and you're looking at the share classes. Um, And a tip or trick you can take and run with is look to see if the funds in your 401k have the letter A after their name. Um, And that letter A is going to denote what we refer to as a retail share class, which is really something that you see in individual accounts, not in pooled 401ks that qualify for much more efficient share classes. Um, so a little technical, but you know it's easy. Look for that letter A. If that letter A is in there, then you know the plan's not been updated. Yeah, I think that that's a great tip right there. And in terms of, 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 of plan design, I know that um, there's been a move towards Obviously, things like auto-enrollment and auto-escalation. Do you have favorite plan design elements that you really want to encourage organizations to implement? I do. Um, I'm, I'm a firm believer that one size does not fit all. Um, and, and the employer and the structure of the company is really going to affect plan design. But the one that is just an absolute non-negotiable for me is that every single 401k should allow the opportunity for a Roth deferral. Um, it, it is There's no cost to the employer to have it in the plan. And it is so much more beneficial for so many people. It is a, it is a non-negotiable. It needs to have a Roth option. Why do you say it's beneficial for so many people? Yeah, so it's interesting. I mean, this is something that we, uh, this is our soapbox topic, the Roth IRA. Um, and people just, com- or sorry, the Roth 401k, people just do not understand it. Um, many people do not understand that 401ks allow for the Roth option. Um, they mistakenly believe there's an income limitation on the Roth 401k when there is not, uh, because there is one on the Roth IRA. Uh, and the reason that we say it is better for many, many people, and I would even argue most people, um, is because the growth in the Roth 401k is tax-free. And everybody just hyper-focused on tax rates, what your tax rate is today versus what you expect your tax rate to be in the future. And people glossed over the fact that in a traditional 401k, the contribution is tax-deferred, but so is the growth. But in a Roth 401k, all of that growth is tax-free um, if you follow the distribution rules. And that is that is an incredible opportunity, particularly for your younger investors, that is really hard to overcome. Yeah, that's so true. 
And there's a lot of the population that I don't think necessarily understands that if they're contributing to a traditional 401k with the tax deduction, if they're not really paying a lot of income taxes in the first place, then it really doesn't make a lot of sense. So I, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, that's we're in a historically low tax rate environment, which people don't tend to think about. I mean, historically, federal tax rates have been much higher than they are now. Um, and then there's a lot of lower income households or households that qualify for significant tax breaks today because of children or whatever it may be. Um, and, you know, it could be that your effective tax rate today is actually very low and potentially lower than it could be in retirement. So there's a whole lot of reasons why the Roth 401k deferral, it could be incredibly beneficial for many people. Got it. Um, in terms of participant behavior, you, you mentioned that you're focused on modernizing outdated plans, really talking a lot about plan design and the participant behavior part. That's a huge conversation, but are there certain things that, that you really would like to highlight? Yeah, maybe just like a couple of little little nuggets or things that stand out about participant behavior. Um, I think that all of the auto features, the auto enroll um, you know, the target date funds, the auto escalate, all of those are really great. Um, but I also think that they have, uh, they can have some negatives too. So um, people are rushing to the auto enroll, which has spiked participation rates, which is a good thing. Um, the negative of the auto enroll is most companies are setting it too low. Um, so employees are, you know, being auto enrolled at 6% and they think they will accomplish their goals when in reality, that deferral rate is not enough. Um, so that's a downside. The other downside is almost everybody's auto enrolled into the traditional or the pre-tax. And we all know how I feel about the Roth at this point. Um, so I think I think that all of these auto features are good, but unfortunately they're not something that we as retirement plan consultants can just rest upon, right? I mean, we have to continue to educate to um, maybe the disadvantages of them. We can't just assume that plan design is gonna solve all participant behavior issues. It'd be cool if it did, though. <laughs> oh, it would be so much easier. But, but, I mean, you know, okay, so this is exactly why we're seeing a rise in financial wellness programs. You know, I mean, we, we've gone halfway with plan design, and it was definitely a step in the right direction. But everybody is realizing now that just plan design and auto features aren't enough in and of themselves. Like, we have to have wellness. We have to have education. And. Your thoughts on on wellness and education? I I just my take on it is I would rather have everybody talking about it, and I would rather have everybody really running towards it and trying new things, um, and then sort of figuring out how 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 it all works. And that that being said, I do feel like it's a, a pretty big buzzword right now. And so your your take on it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's such a buzzword. Like every everybody's saying they're doing it and we're all trying to figure it out. I think um, nobody really can define it yet. The interesting thing about Argy, the company that I work for, um, is that even though we were founded on personal financial planning, actually the bulk of our business came from Fortune 500 companies that hired us to come in and provide financial wellness. Now, this started back in the 90s and early 2000s. So financial wellness, and it wasn't called that then, but we were founded on that idea of educating people on their benefits. So um, it's something we've been doing for a really, really long time. And for us, it 
there's two sides of this wellness buzz. There's the fintech side and the mass solutions that can be provided efficiently to all. Um, and I think those are great, but we're going to we're going to believe more so in quality over quantity and that one size does not fit all. Uh, and I think you're going to see a divergence of wellness programs. You'll see the the fintech low cost answers for everybody. But then you're going to see firms doing what we're doing and carving out really custom education programs that speak to the complex benefits of some of these Fortune 500 companies that that these executives really need additional help with. Got it. And I think that, that I think that that's the frankly, one of the only answers that's going to actually help to influence and change people's behaviors. I think that if technology and information was enough to be changing and influencing behaviors, then I think it would have already been doing that. It certainly doesn't hurt. And again, the more stuff that's out there, I, I, I suppose the better. But I do think it, it's going to require rolling up our sleeves and getting a little bit messy and interacting and meeting people where they are and learning about their personal situations and helping them actually change those behaviors. So your thoughts on that? Yes. Yeah, so you mentioned, you know, we just have to get in and get messy to figure it out. And I think that's something we've actually really dedicated ourselves to at Argy. And we have found as we evaluate the business side of providing a wellness program, uh, that really the best way to provide a quality yet efficient program is to identify what degree of support each level of employee needs. And that complexity will vary. What an executive needs or what a business owner needs will differ from um, many other people in the company. So uh, for us, I do feel like we're a few years ahead of the getting messy part and we're really starting to figure out how to provide this service. Appreciate that very much. Yeah, <laughs> it is not an easy solution. So, um, well, okay. So it's a matter of identifying or figuring out what the right fit is going to be for every different organization. What what level of commitment is is required from the actual organization to be able to implement everything that 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 you and argue want? Is it a pretty high level? Um, you know, not necessarily, because what we've been able to do is take our history as a corporate benefits education firm. And now by leveraging the existing 401k and the structure of our firm, we're, we are able to provide those wellness services um, in a very efficient way. And like I said, leveraging the 401k. So when you ask what level of commitment is required, it's actually it's pretty minimal. Um, we like working with the existing HR team to de to define the program because the company and the HR team are going to understand what their employees will respond to the most or perhaps their needs. Um, but aside from, you know, helping us design the program that's going to be best for them, we come in with all, you know, ideas, we come in with examples. Um, for us, it's business as usual. So the commitment from the company is not that much. Do a lot of your clients already have some kind of an existing wellness committee or some kind of a, a, a committee within the human resources that, that you're working to plug into? Or do you find that you need to help them to develop that? The larger companies will have members in the HR department that are focused on benefits and wellness. Um, but, you know, even down to the smallest company, even our smaller 401ks do have 
a wellness program in our in their service model. And it may simply be sitting down with the HR to determine what is the best medium for communicating. Yeah, a law firm may with that who sits at their desks with their computers, they may respond very well to video content. But a manufacturing firm in rural Kentucky may not have even the ability to distribute video content. So um, we have the ideas, the topics, the education. It's really about what's going to be the best fit for your employee base when it comes to the medium for communicating it. Got it. Yeah, I think that that is so key. Just understanding how the how the organization already communicates, and then and then making a good fit. So that makes sense. Well, Jeannie, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? (laughs) It's always going to be the Roth. Do not underestimate the power of the Roth and do not automatically assume that you cannot contribute to the Roth uh, because it will probably be best for many of you out there and many of you probably have access to one that you're not even realizing. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. (laughs) Jeannie, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? So you can find me on LinkedIn. That's where we put up quite a bit of content. So Jeannie J. Fisher on LinkedIn. And then there's a YouTube channel, Financial Genie. And I work with Argy Investment Services. We're headquartered out of Louisville, Kentucky, but have offices all over the Midwest. And you can find us on our website at www.argi.net. Excellent. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Jeannie your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Find her on LinkedIn, find her on YouTube, and also go to Argy, uh, their website, and I'll list that in the notes of the show. Thank you again, Jeannie. Thank you, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we are all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!